Please stand for the reading of the word from Philippians 2. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may be cheered by news of you. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. All of them are seeking their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But Timothy's worth you know, how like a son with a father he has served, me, served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I will also come soon. Still, I think it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and co-worker and fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for all of you and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. He was indeed so ill that he nearly died, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, in order that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. Welcome him then, then in the Lord uh, with all joy, and honor such people, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for those services that you could not give me. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning, friends. It's good to see you here today. Uh, whether you're in our auditorium or you're with us online, it's good for us to be together. It was about 1998, 1999. I don't remember exactly when, but it was a long time ago. And I, and I went to, I was in college, and I went to the theater, not really knowing what movie I wanted to see, just knowing that I wanted to get off campus and get away. We didn't even care if we had to wait like an hour for the next movie. We just showed up. And, and there was a movie that none of us had ever heard of. It was called The Matrix, and it had Keanu Reeves in it, and that was cool. So uh, we decided to watch that one. Brothers and sisters, I had no idea. Now, I realize that some of you may not have ever seen The Matrix trilogy before, and so I'm not going to spoil anything because they're coming out with another sequel sometime this fall, maybe early spring, I don't know. But you may want to catch up on this. But the, the theme of The Matrix is, is about control. And the whole way through, the first part of the movie, you're watching and it's kind of like this Daft Punk techno, really cool uh, story about the control and how the system tries to, to, to keep you down and you gotta break free. And then in the middle of the, in the, middle of the movie, uh, Neo, the main character, takes this red pill and everything changes. And what you thought was control, you had no idea. What you thought was the fight, you had no idea. And that's, that's kind of what's going to happen as we, as we transition right now in the book of Philippians. What we've been looking at and what we've been working toward is that Christ hymn. And we came to that mountaintop like two weeks ago and we, we saw the hymn, uh, or saw the themes of what it means to, to stoop down low and to give up yourself, to empty what's yours for the sake of others. That's what Jesus does in the story of the cross. But now, we're going to see something else. Because before every meant every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, Jesus will be given the name that's above every other name. But what we're going to see in the second half of this book is that we had no idea. We didn't know where the fight really was. Because what the Philippian church is dealing with is that they got to get along. Everyone belongs. Everyone has a place at God's table. 
And so this little section in Philippians is kind of very curious to me. It's just like this one part travelogue, one part Paul kind of bragging about his co-workers. There's this great swell in the Christ hymn, and, a, and then there's this brewing conflict that's coming in, in Philippians chapter 4, where he's going to have to make two church leaders say to them very gently but firmly, you guys got to quit fighting. And then in chapter 3, uh, Paul calls some people dogs, which is cool. Um, so, but why, why does Paul take the time right now to, to do this shout out to Timothy and Epaphroditus? Is it just to explain, like, the travelogue? Like, Epaphroditus is probably the one carrying this letter to the, to the church in Philippi. And, and so he's explaining that. And he says, I'm going to try to send Timothy as, as certainly as I can. Why does Paul mention these two guys? Paul says he has no one like Timothy. And this isn't the only time that Timothy shows up in, in the story of the growth of the church in the New Testament. We, 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 we see that uh, Timothy played an important role in the advancement of the gospel uh, and, and, and in the survival and the flourishing of these early churches. Timothy travels with Paul. He ministered beside Paul. He, he carried letters for Paul. He appointed elders and, and did tasks that were essential for Paul as if he were Paul himself. He did some pretty important stuff. We also know from the book of Acts that, that Timothy had a, a Greek father and a believing grandmother and a believing mother. They were Jewish. But in response to a controversy, Paul circumcised Timothy. Full-grown man, Timothy, as an adult. This is kind of like breakfast. When you eat breakfast, the chicken is involved, the pig is committed. Timothy is committed. This isn't even like a commitment to God or Christ. This isn't a, a, a theological controversy that, that, that he's doing for, that he chooses to take that action. It's for the unity of the church. And so that the, the Jewish believers can see that the Gentile Christians have a place in the church. He did it for unity. Epaphroditus is a different case. He's sent by the Philippian church to bring a gift to Paul while he's in prison. And we talked about a few weeks ago that, you know, the, the prison in the first century in the Roman era was not the same as prison here. And in the first century prison, if you didn't have someone on the outside providing for your needs, you would starve and die. If you didn't have someone on the outside giving money or resources so that you could live, you would die. And the Philippian church hears that Paul is in prison and they're so worried about him, they take up a collection and they give it to Epaphroditus to travel to wherever Paul is, we're not certain, to make sure that he's going to be okay. Now, it could have been in um, Corinth, or excuse me, Ephesus is one of the places where he could have been, or it could have been in Rome. Now, it's probably Ephesus, but if it was Rome, then, then the Epaphrodites had to travel 900 miles to get there, either by foot or by boat, probably both. And it's not like he's carrying a cashier's check so that if he loses it or it's stolen, it's no good for anybody else. He is carrying cash money. A lot. And he's going to a place that he's never been before. And either on the way or after he got there, he becomes sick. Paul says he became deathly ill to the point that he couldn't complete the mission. And so... Paul sends him back. 
But I want you to notice a couple of things in the text. We're in Philippians chapter 2, if you want to open up your Bible. He, he calls Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow soldier. He also calls him your messenger, my servant or slave in need. And it's impossible as you're hearing Paul talk about Epaphroditus to miss, to miss the echo of the hymn. I don't know if this ever happens to you. This happened to me this week. I kind of got caught in a black hole on TikTok and I, I watched this video that was funny. And so I was like, hey, that's funny. I'll click the hashtag and I watched a few more. Y'all, I spent way too much time chasing down these viral videos. Way too much time. All of these different people doing this funny dance to the same 40 second clip of music way too often. It got to the point where that song kept showing up in my head in all sorts of weird places this week. It kept showing up at the oddest times. It got to the point where I went online and I listened to the whole song in hopes that I could like somehow cleanse my brain. It was this mind worm that would not get out. And I don't want you to miss the echo. I don't want you to miss the song that needs to kind of get stuck in your head. This hymn that Paul sings. Don't miss the echo of this text. Epaphroditus is a slave, a servant, who was obedient to the mission of God, even to the point of death. It's, it's almost the same line. This is a song, this one we've heard before. And I think what Paul is trying to say is, it doesn't really matter if you're successful like Timothy. Or if you're being obedient to the will of God and you engage in God's mission and then all the wheels come off, it didn't end the way you expected to and everything you tried to do ends up backfiring and you're the one that needs help when you went to go help somebody else. It doesn't matter if you're successful or not. What matters is are you faithful? When people see you, do they hear the echo of the hymn in their head? It's kind of like the story of Larry James. Larry James started a program called Central Dallas Ministries. It's now called City Square. And he, and he wrote uh, a memoir kind of reflecting on, on the birth of that, that very, very special ministry that, that has changed Central Dallas completely. And it started with Larry James. He worked in a suburban church outside of the city of Dallas. And, and he would drive through the city and he would see the plight that was happening there. He could see those that were hurting. He could see the homeless. And there was something on his heart that was tugging him saying, you know, somebody ought to do something about that. And it wasn't long before he realized that that tug in his heart was the call of the Spirit saying, Larry, you should do something about that. And so he quits his job and he, and he forms Central Dallas Ministries. And he kind of, he, he talks about in his book that he, he came in there with a lot of certainty that he knew what he was called to do and he knew that what he was doing was important, but he also came with a lot of naivete that he didn't know exactly how to do anything right. And he tells in the first moments of trying to do this ministry that all of the assumptions and, and privilege and all those, those things that he carried with him from the suburbs into the city quickly fell apart. You see, Larry says that he came assuming that he was going to bring Jesus to the people in the city. But what he quickly found out was Jesus was already there. God had never left the city, Larry said, 
we did. And it was, it was work, the work of the partnership with the poor, the people in poverty there, saved Larry's faith. His first efforts were total failure, failure after failure after failure. It wasn't until they hired one of the people that had grown up in the neighborhood that they were trying to serve to translate for them. Not just, I mean, sometimes literally English into Spanish, but also translate the cultural differences that were happening there and the the difference of socioeconomic staff uh, uh, statuses that were happening there. It wasn't until that there was a partnership that there was success. But the key is, brothers and sisters, dear friends, whether it looks like success the ministry of Timothy or failure doesn't matter. What matters is who you look like. God sent Jesus uh, to show us what God looks like. You want to know what Natalie looks like, looked like as a three-year-old? If you want to know, just look at Micah. They're exactly the same, especially when they're both angry. It is, it is fascinating uh, how much they look alike. I, if you ever wanted to know who Natalie was, a three-year-old, just look at Micah. They're, they're the same. And see what Jesus does. Jesus gives up. Jesus abandons. Jesus sets aside. Jesus stoops down. Jesus empties self so that we might understand who God is. Jesus is Emmanuel. God is with us. And I think this is what Paul is saying. If you want to know what Jesus looks like, look at Timothy. If you want to know what Jesus sounds like, listen to Epaphroditus. Jesus is God with flesh so that we might know God, and they are flesh with spirit so that we might know Jesus. James Thompson points out a very important fact, that there's a transition that happens in the middle of this letter. In the first part of the letter, Paul uses the language of citizenship. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will proclaim. And citizenship has a certain appeal to it. We are all united in our country, our our love of country, however that's expressed. But in the middle of the letter, Paul transitions to the language of friendship and family. We're not just same citizens. We should have the same mind. We should look at the world from the same place, which is a much more intimate conversation. And I think you already know who the Timothy is, who the Epaphroditus is in your life. It's the person who offered you mercy, the person who gave unconditional love, the person who had the courage to do the hard, the right thing, whether it went well or whether it didn't. And I gotta tell you the truth, I see it here at Highland when I see it in you. It's when you're volunteering for the children's ministry and some little kid throws up in your lap. It's when you're going to the prison. It's when you're loving those teens and huddles and you're listening and you're loving them through the awkwardness of, of the, those middle school years and you're seeing them bloom in the beauty of their high school years. Not all of you are awkward, I didn't mean that in the wrong way. I was, I'm just talking about myself. I I see you buried under sickness and stress, and I see you making the safe place that's hospitable for others. I see you welcoming strangers and feeding the hungry and caring for the least of these. And in those moments, I don't see you, I see Jesus. But here's the thing. And I, I wanna say this in kindness, and I want you to hear this in love. We live in a time, we live in a place 
where small acts and nice gestures get lost in an overwhelming news cycle of bad or embarrassing news. In a a post-Christian culture, in this coming secular age, where the, the, the public opinion of the work of the church is often tarnished by high-profile pastors who make terrible mistakes, where there's hidden conspiracies that are revealed that, to cover up shameful patterns, and those things come to light. When that is the narrative of church, I'm not sure that little gestures, I'm not sure that being nice can be heard in that din. And and being a nice Christian, being slightly better than your neighbors, I don't think, I think it's, it's too small. I think that the radical transformation of the gospel realigns everything. In, in Philippians, in the, in the church in Philippi, it, it sets slave girls free. Jailers become converted. Church leaders are choosing forgiveness and reconciliation over turf and power. But most of all, it's people like Epaphroditus who try to do big and scary and risky and right things. And whether it goes over well or it totally falls apart, what matters is that they've heard the song so many times, over and over and over. It comes out everywhere. It comes out to everyone. And... We can stay put. We can do old things, and there is certainly safety to that. But I wonder what would happen if we hear the Christ song. A song that calls us higher, a song that calls us deeper, a song that calls us into uncertainty and mystery and wonder. And I wonder what happens when we follow that call. And we see where it takes you. Because I think that's what Paul means when he said, shine like stars in a dark place. To be the beacon that leads them to a place called home. Let's sing together. So this week, may you have courage. Maybe you have courage to go where God is going to lead you. Maybe you have the courage to risk big like Epaphroditus. Take the chance to do something important like Timothy. God put on flesh in the body of Jesus so that you might know God. You have the opportunity to put on flesh and put your spirit, uh, put up, uh, you have the opportunity to put spirit in your flesh so that they might see Jesus. So shine, Jesus. Be light in the darkness. Be the beacon that guides others to this place that we call home.